Tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Alright, welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. A busy show ahead, lots of things to talk about. A rough night last night for the Islanders. They go into Madison Square Garden and fall to the New York Rangers by a final score of 6-2, to two, Artemi Panarin uh, with the big game for the Rangers. And we will break down all the problems that the Islanders had in this game uh, in, in really a, a performance that this team cannot be happy with. We'll talk about the latest injury to another key forward for the Islanders. Preview tonight's game against the Red Wings in Detroit, and we'll take a look back at a wild game on and off the ice between the Rangers and the Islanders on this date in Islanders history. So, and the game involved both a milestone for an Islanders Hall of Famer and a uh, emergency security situation off the ice for another. Islanders Hall of Famer. So lots to talk about today, but let's get started with last night's game. Islanders, Rangers at the Garden. First of three meetings over nine days. And also, believe it or not, and here we are, you know, in mid-January, the first meeting of the season between these two arch rivals. And it didn't take long for things to get a little crazy. Now, before the game, the Islanders announced that Casey Sezikis was not available and he was going to sit out. The Islanders called up uh, Otto Koivula from Binghamton and they recalled Sebastian Ajo as a depth defenseman, but Ajo, Sezikis, and Koivula were the scratches for the New York Islanders. The Islanders went with Simeon Varlamov in goal while the Rangers countered with Alexander Gorgiev and a little bit of a surprise, you know, Lundqvist dressed as the backup as the Rangers try to sort out their now three-headed goaltender rotation. Now, a lot of rumors going on that Gorgiev is the most likely Ranger goalie to be traded and uh, he certainly helped himself in this game uh, with his trade value, but we'll get to that. Uh, fireworks right off the bat. Just 18 seconds into the game, the Islanders take a one to nothing lead 
Jordan Eberle gets the goal with some fancy stick handling as he beats Gorgiev. And it's his fifth of the year from Brock Nelson just 18 seconds into the game. And so quickly, the Islanders had the one nothing lead. And for Eberle, his second goal in the last three games. And that is something that the Islanders really need from Eberle and a few other forwards if uh, they hope to increase their scoring potential. Now, this ended up coming out like old-time hockey. In just two minutes, 13 seconds into the game, Islanders up 1-0, and Michael Haley of the Rangers, the former Islander, drops the gloves with Ross Johnston. They each get five for fighting, and Haley gets the decision in this one, but... Before action resumes, Matt Martin of the Islanders and Brendan Smith of the Rangers also drop the gloves. They get five for fighting, a pretty equal fight overall. I wouldn't give the edge necessarily to either player. However, and this ended up hurting, uh, game misconducts for both Martin and Smith. So the Islanders now... Two minutes, 13 seconds into this game are without all three members of their fourth line because Cal Clutterbuck out with an injury, Casey Sezikis out with an injury, and Matt Martin, game misconduct. A lot of the physicality from this Islanders lineup, the grit, the sandpaper, taken out before the game is two minutes and 14 seconds old. So... One nothing in favor of the Islanders, but unfortunately, that is not going to last. Now, here's here's the thing. Hard to believe uh, that there are game misconducts for having a fight before the puck is dropped after another fight. Uh, certainly, in the days of uh, the, you know, Broad Street Bullies and the Big Bad Bruins, uh, or even the uh, Red Wings, you know, with Joey Kosher... Uh, you know, you wouldn't, and Bob Probert, you wouldn't have seen that. Uh, they, they let those guys fight back in the day, not saying it was necessarily better that that's what they did, but here, game misconducts handed out. And here's the thing. First of all, that made the Islanders and Coach Barry Trotz have to juggle his lines. Second of all, as I mentioned, less grit, less sandpaper in that Islanders lineup and third of all, I think the way the fights went, it woke up the crowd, woke up the home team, the Rangers, and sort of helped change the momentum of the hockey game. Now, just a few minutes later, Artemi Panarin gets his big game going. He skates in, takes a shot. Varlamov makes the save, but Jesper Fast with the rebound, he scores his eighth of the year at 8:14, and the game is even at one. Panarin and Brady Shea with the assists, and everything all even now. The Islanders, before that fast goal, they wanted a penalty as Nick Letty's stick was hit out of his hands by Fast. They wanted slashing, no call, and. As a result, the goal ends up counting and the game is tied 
at 1-1. Now, the Rangers got the next power play opportunity in this game. Matthew Barzal goes off for tripping Mark Stahl at 9-18. So right after the Rangers tie it, the Islanders shorthanded. And again, no Sezikis, no Clutterbuck, no Matt Martin. But at the same time, the Islanders able to successfully kill off the power play. But again, on the power play, Panarin making all kinds of trouble out there for the Islanders. He created some good scoring chances throughout that first period, but Varlamov manages to keep the Islanders in the game, and after 20 minutes, all even at one, but realistically, after those fights, it was all Rangers. Shots on goal in the period, 17-7, in favor of the home team, not the kind of start the Islanders were hoping for. And let's face it, the Islanders uh, just did not look sharp throughout that first period. And it was extremely frustrating for Islander fans to watch. All right, we are going to step aside. We have a lot more to talk about about this game. We have this date in Islanders history, plus a preview of tonight's game in Detroit against the Red Wings. Lots more to talk about here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, second period gets underway. Islanders had a power play opportunity. Tony D'Angelo of the Rangers slashes Michael Dalcole at 237, and it's a power play chance for the visiting New York Islanders. Taze probably had the best chance of the power play with a hard shot from the point, but Georgiev got his arm on it, and then D'Angelo, as he came out of the penalty box, took a great pass from Ryan Strom, but Varlamov came up with a big save on a breakaway to keep it a 1-1 hockey game. Unfortunately, that does not work for long, as Chris Kreider makes it a 2-1 lead for the Rangers, his 15th of the year from Panarin and Shea at 5.06 of the second period. The play was reviewed to see if Kreider hit the puck with a high stick, but the ruling was he did not, and it was 2-1 as the goal held. Then a few minutes later after that, the Rangers continuing to put pressure. Kreider Got a good shot off from the left circle off the rush, but Varlamov again makes the save. Then, five minutes later, it's Panarin setting it up again, making a great play. He takes the shot. Adam Fox gets the rebound, and the Jericho native gets his sixth goal of the year at 11-11 from Jesper Fast and Artemi Panarin. And Panarin having... A dominant game. It was 3-1 Rangers Panarin already with three assists. After 40 minutes, Rangers outshooting the Islanders 25-23. The Islanders played better late in the second period because realistically, they took 12 of the last 15 shots in that middle stanza. But could not put the puck in the net. And this has been a problem for the Islanders in recent weeks. 
They are getting more shots on goal. You know, the Islanders are near the bottom of the league in shots on goal. But in the last five or six games, they've increased their shots on goal, but their goal scoring hasn't increased, and that is a problem. So in the second period, the Rangers had eight shots on goal, but two of them went in, and that is a very, very bad sign for the Islanders, and it just shows you that their defense wasn't working the way that Barry Trotz wants their defense to play. Meanwhile, in the third period, just in case there was any doubt, Panarin came in on a breakaway. He beats Varlamov with a backhander just 49 seconds into the third period, and just like that, it's Rangers 4 Islanders won. Panarin follows that up at 8.54 with his 26th of the year. Ryan Strom and Fast with the assists. And then less than two minutes after that, Jacob Truba, his seventh, on the power play from Fox and Cheadle at 10.15. At that point in the third period, it was Johnny Boychuk in the box for slashing and realistically, things started to get a little chippy down the stretch. Brock Nelson and Chris Kreider each go off for roughing at 14.51. Kreider uh, also, you know, he got four minutes for roughing. Tony D'Angelo, two for roughing. Uh, Ross Johnston, two for roughing. D'Angelo, Johnston, and Kreider each got misconducts. And, you know, again, this game almost felt like it was played in 1978 or 1990 rather than in 2020. The Islanders do get one goal after uh, everything calmed down. Brock Nelson on the power play from Eberly and Brassard at 12:48, And as a result, the final score, Rangers 6, Islanders 2, uh, Tomas Grice came in and played the final nine minutes and 45 seconds of the game. He's going to get the start tonight in Detroit, but uh, they gave him the last half, really, of the third period, and he only had to make one save in that nine minute and 45 second stint. Not the best game for Varlamov as he let in six goals in 35 shots that he faced. Rough game for Matthew Barzal. He is a minus four in this one. Josh Bailey, a minus three for the Islanders. As far as ice time is concerned, uh, Ryan Pulak leads all Islander players with 23 minutes, 11 seconds. Anders Lee, 22-17. Jordan Eberle, 22-09. Eberle with a goal and an assist as did Brock Nelson. Islanders also in the face-off circle. Uh, not the best game for anybody, really, except one player, Derek Brassard, playing against his former team. He won all eight face-offs that he took. As far as hits are concerned, Brock Nelson led the way with four, and that shouldn't be too big a surprise when you consider all the players that were not available for the Islanders, you know, their typical grinders, as I mentioned, not out there on the ice. As far as blocked shots were concerned, 
A uh, lot of players with two, Mayfield, Boychuk, Taze, and Pulak all had two uh, among defensemen. Barzal and Kunakel had two among the forwards, but overall, just a poor effort for the Islanders. Gorgiev with 32 saves, facing 34 shots. He earns the win, but the big story for the Rangers are Temi Panarin, two goals, three assists, five points, and a plus four. He led all, uh, he did not actually lead, excuse me, the Rangers in shots on goal. Chris Kreider with seven, Panarin with six, but overall, the Islanders just not playing well. And you look at the shot chart, which I always like to do, the Rangers with so many chances down low from the slot, in between the circles, down low near the crease, and you just aren't going to win too many hockey games, especially on the road, when you're giving your opponents that many quality scoring chances down low. So, a rough effort for the New York Islanders. They fall 6-2 to two at the Garden, and more bad news in the standings as well. As you look at the Metropolitan Division right now, uh, Capitals still in first place with 65 points. Penguins now in second place with 61 points. Just four points behind Washington and now three points ahead of the Islanders who, although they have two games in hand against, uh, excuse me, they have one game in hand against Pittsburgh, but starting to fall behind the Pens in the standings and the Hurricanes just two points behind the Islanders, although the Islanders have a game in hand on Carolina. So a, a rough effort for the New York Islanders. Never want to see your team lose to the Rangers, and we'll see if they can bounce back tomorrow against a struggling Detroit Red Wings team. We are going to take a step aside. When we come back, we'll preview that game in Detroit tonight, and we will take a look back at a crazy game on and off the ice in this date in Islanders history. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to January 14th, 1984 at the Nassau Coliseum. Rangers and Islanders, both teams coming in with very good records. Islanders 30-14-2, Rangers 25-15-5, and, and it was the Rangers drawing first blood. Mike Allison, his fourth from Tom Laidlaw and Rayo Rutsalainen at 337, but the Islanders were able to get back into the game. Butch Goring, his 14th from Dennis Potvin and Mike Bossy at 9.08, and after 20 minutes, it was a 1-1 hockey game. Lots of uh, rough stuff in this one. Greg Gilbert of the Islanders took a high-sticking penalty. Billy Carroll a slash. Some roughing penalties later on against Mark Pavlich of the Rangers and Billy Carroll of the Islanders. They each got four minutes roughing and slashing and holding. So, as usual, when these two teams get together, and we saw it last night as well, uh, a lot of physicality and rough stuff. Into the second period, the Islanders retook the lead just 3-0-2 in as Dwayne Sutter got an unassisted goal, his 12th of the year, to make it 2-1 Islanders. Then, Ron Greshner called for tripping at 4-0-3. 
Islanders on the power play, but Peter Sundstrom of the Rangers, a shorthanded goal, his 14th from Don Maloney at 5.05, and the game once again tied, this time at 2-2. But the power play for the Islanders wasn't over, and Dennis Potvin cashed in just 35 seconds after the Sundstrom shorty, a power play goal for Dennis Potvin, his 11th from Goring and Bossy, and the game now 3-2 to two in favor of the Islanders in the third period. Bossy, his 35th of the year from Goring and Potvin at 12-29, and that made it 4-2 to two Islanders. By the way, that was the 400th goal of Mike Bossy's career. He did it in just 506 games, the fastest to 400 goals of any player up till that point in NHL history. After the game, the quote from Bossy, and this is from my book, Ice Wars, uh, did I ever expect to score 400 goals? Well, let's put it this way. I never expected not to score 400 goals. I started my career hoping I'd do well, and fortunately, I have done well. Glenn Hanlon, by the way, who was the Ranger goalie in this one, his quote, I'm still trying to figure it out. I don't know how he got the shot away so quick. Usually I've got an extra second to slide over and get ready, but not this time. Bossy just got it away too quick. It's hard to understand. It happened so fast. That's a professional, experienced NHL goalie marveling at the fast release of Mike Bossy. Uh, Roland Melanson, the goalie, or Melanson, uh, 22 saves in 24 shots for the win. Bossy, a goal and two assists. Goring and Dennis Potvin each also with a goal and two assists as the Islanders beat the Rangers 4-2 at the Coliseum. This date in Islanders history, January 14, 1984. But there was more to it than that. You see, before the game... There was a death threat against Dennis Potvin. Someone called, an anonymous male caller, rang up the Coliseum switchboard and said, I don't like Potvin, I'm going to shoot him. Well, the police actually had to escort Dennis Potvin out of the Nassau Coliseum and to his car in order to make sure that he got there safely. Uh, the quote from the head of security at the Coliseum. We've seen these threats before. They seem to happen more when the Rangers play the Islanders. We figure they're pranks, but we have to take them seriously in order to protect the players and the building. One day, it might not be a prank. Thankfully, Potvin made it back unharmed his Hall of Fame career. All right, tonight, Islanders in Detroit to take on the Red Wings. And uh, look, the Red Wings... Certainly a struggling hockey team at this point. They remain in last place in the Atlantic Division. 12-31-3, just 27 points in 46 games. That is not uh, a pretty situation if you're the Detroit Red Wings. They are coming off a 5-1 loss to the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, they won their previous two games before that, beating Ottawa, 3-2 at home, and the Canadiens, the struggling Canadiens, 4-3, also at home. So, a little bit of momentum, I guess, 
for the Detroit Red Wings. But overall, when you look at the numbers that this team puts up, they are last in the league in goals scored, last in the league in goals against, 27th on the power play, and last on the penalty kill. That, my friends, is not a recipe for success when you put it all together. Jonathan Bernier has gotten the most play in goal. He is 10, 12, and 2 on the season, a 299 goals against average and a 905 save percentage. Jimmy Howard, just 2, 15, and 1 with a 4.10 goals against average and an 880 save percentage. Tyler Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin are the top two offensive producers for Detroit. Bertuzzi leads the team with 16 goals and 34 points. Dylan Larkin, 19 assists. Uh, Philip Roenick and Anthony Mantha are the next two players on this list of scorers. But overall, for the Red Wings, it has been a struggle most of the season. We break down the lines. Larkin centers Bertuzzi and Robbie Fabri on the top trio. Valtteri Filpola is the second-line center. He centers Adam Ernie and Philippe Zadina. The third line, former Islander Franz Nielsen, centering Darren Helm and Luke Glendening. And then on the fourth line, Christopher Ain centers Justin Abdelkader and Giovanni Smith on defense right now. Patrick Nemeth and Mike Green are the top pairing. Philippe Ronick and Madison Bowie the second group, and Brian Lashoff and Alex Biega are the third group. Jonathan Bernier and Jimmy Howard, the goalies. Lots of injuries here. Anthony Mantha out. Dan DeKaiser out. Jonathan Erickson out. Trevor Daly and Andreas uh, Anhancio. All out of the lineup for the struggling Detroit Red Wings. Yes, the Islanders are playing a back-to-back. But this is a game they absolutely must have to get back on track in the tough, tight Metropolitan Division standings. Don't forget, if you have a question or a comment or something you want us to talk about, you can email the show at LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. Leave your name and where you're from, and we'll be happy to mention you and discuss whatever's on your mind on the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. You can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. And uh, if you're enjoying the show, please do leave us a five-star rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. It helps other Islanders fans and hockey fans find the podcast and helps us grow the Locked On Islanders family. All right, that's going to do it for us today on the Locked On Islanders podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. And don't forget, tomorrow we will have a full analysis of the Islanders game in Detroit, plus our weekly farm report and this date in Islanders history, plus a whole lot more. So join us for that. Have a great night, everyone. And thanks for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.